This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival, also via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. This episode, our 198th overall, is also available via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, the iHeartRadio website and app and at warfradio.com or just Google Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. Our featured guest for this episode will be the USA Freedom captain who played with the Nightcliff Tigers in the Northern Territory Football League women's competition this summer just gone, Rosemary Clough. But first, here's the latest women's footy news. Leading our women's footy news headlines for this week, the Victorian Football League women's season for 2020 has been officially cancelled. It will be replaced by an exhibition match series beginning in September. Four teams will play three matches each with an All-Stars game to conclude that series. Up in Queensland, the QAFLW is a go. It will recommence its season on July 11th and play the remaining nine rounds of the season plus finals. Down in Tasmania, the Tasmanian State League women's competition will be kicking off on July 18 with a fixture to be confirmed. The season will run through until October 18th at the latest. There is some news for grassroots footy out of Victoria where AFL Barwin have cancelled the senior men's football competition for 2020, but have indicated they would still like the senior women's football competition to proceed. In Melbourne, the Western Region, Essendon District, Southern Football Netball League and the VAFA have all indicated they'll be making a decision on June 22 whether they'll proceed with the season for 2020. And briefly overseas, AFL Germany have confirmed that their men's and women's competitions have been cancelled for 2020. And finally, AFLW All-Australian Ruck and former Australian Diamond netballer Shani Layton was a guest on the ABC's Q&A program on Monday discussing the future of sport post-COVID-19. She disagreed with the assumption that women's sport had not been damaged by the restrictions and cost-cutting around COVID-19. There's been a, a huge damage because I completely agree that we just haven't got enough coverage. Tracy's already obviously talked about um, the FIFA World Cup being here in Australia with Matilda is number seven, Opals are number two in the world, Diamonds, the netball team, are number one in the world, and also our Australian women's cricket is a number one in the world. Yet, not only, obviously, at the moment, no-one's playing, so we're not getting any coverage, but when they are playing, they get the eyeballs on the screens, but it's up to the media outlets. Start covering these sports because people want to watch them. We get the crowds there. You decide to cover it once in a blue moon at every World Cup, and then all of a sudden it disappears off the map. We have the WNBL that deserves recognition. We have all of the sports. People want to read about it in the paper and it's about time that we do get equal coverage in all of that. Last one um, for Brendan, because we've seen um, North Melbourne sacked Scott Gowans, um, who was the head of the, obviously the AFLW team. They were arguably the number one team in the competition for AFLW this year. But you say AFL actually cares about the women's program. We know AFLW is going ahead, which is fantastic. However, how much do the clubs actually care about their programs when they're getting rid of the head coach? and giving the assistant coach to the men's that head role who won't be able to put the same investment into the women's program. So why are the cuts coming straight to the women's program rather than somewhere else in the club? And that's your latest women's footy news. 
So to our featured guest for this week, she was born in San Diego, California, went to university in Sacramento where she starred in rowing and somehow she ended up playing Australian rules football with the Sacramento Suns. She would have representative honours with the USA Freedom in 2017, partaking in the AFL International Cup. And coming back from an ACL after 2018 made her even more determined to get the best out of her footy. Come early 2020, she came to Australia to try her hand playing State League football. First of all, in the Northern Territory Football League with the Nightcliff Tigers making their first ever finals campaign and headed down to Victoria in hopes of getting on a VFLW list. First of all, trying out with Weemstown. However, COVID-19 would hit and she would return home. But that still hasn't stopped her hunger, particularly with IC 2021 on the cards where she'll be captain of the USA Freedom. It's great to have on the line, Rosemary Dusty Glow. Rosie, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. <laughs> great to have you uh, on the line calling in from um, sunny Sacramento. Um, it's strange to say it's your hometown, but not a place you would expect to be at this time of year. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's. Um, I was really excited uh, that you asked me to be a part of this and, um yeah, the it was being here in Sacramento, though I'm originally from San Diego, um, I guess I would call this my hometown. It's a little, I've been here about 10 years, so I guess I can call it my hometown now. Um, yeah, it is absolutely not what I predicted when I uh, took off in January 4th to go up to Darwin and play. Um, I thought for sure I would still be in Melbourne um, playing and planning out my, my VFLW season and then uh, just coming home and, and seeing what was going to happen in 2021. And um, now it seems like just everything kind of got pushed back a year. Indeed, everything has for everybody on every level. Um, let's rewind back since you mentioned your hometown, original hometown, I should state, San Diego, the 619, SoCal, California. Yeah. So what was your childhood like growing up in San Diego and your first journey into sport in general? Oh, um, well, I was involved in every sport imaginable. Um Though, oddly enough, I didn't play soccer, which I feel like is the one sport that most people, most kids play. Um, but I, I was just constantly outside. So um, even, even if it was just a, a game that I made up myself <laughs> and convinced the neighborhood kids to uh, to play with me, I just constantly was just running around. And in high school, I uh, I played volleyball, basketball, um I did some cross country, some track, uh, swimming. I did a lot of club volleyball. Um, yeah. And I, I just did whatever San Diego could offer as far as, you know, I surfed, I booty boarded everything. <laughs> and, uh, I was lucky enough to get a scholarship for rowing, which was a sport I had never played before never even thought about playing um, or doing. And uh, I got a scholarship to row at Sacramento State. And um, I just kind of said, well, I've got nothing else to lose. I've played everything else. All of the sports that I really enjoy, like softball and volleyball and basketball, I've been playing those for eight, ten years already. So I decided, well, why not? And I'll get my college paid for it in the meantime. So 
I went up and this is where I am now. It's my new home, Sacramento. Um, and that's all thanks to rowing and sports. How did that scouting yeah. opportunity come about for you to enter the world of rowing? Um, I, I was kind of on the radar at our school for finding a place for me to play a sport. So I didn't care what sport it was. I was just wanting to go to college and I wanted to play something. So whether that was, you know, D3 volleyball or D1 volleyball or, you know, wherever I kind of stood and uh, Sacramento State had just posted that they were looking for tall, strong women. And um, somehow that got trickled down to San Diego, this 500 miles south of Sacramento. And um, yeah, they just, um, one of my athletic director contacted them and then they researched and called all of my coaches in high school and um, I fit the part. <laughs> and then yeah, it- and it ended up, ended up being a very successful season. Um, I mean, I, I kind of just an overall athlete. So um, I picked up the sport pretty quickly and made the varsity eight within my freshman year and um, just kept on progressing from there. Yeah. And then finally uh, my fourth year, my senior year, I um, earned the um, outstanding rower award and, that was just such a huge accomplishment because, I mean, you're taking someone who's never <laughs> played or even I've never done anything rowing before, and there I was earning this award, and I was really grateful for it. First of all, uh, how was the early starts, by the way, for training and rowing? Oh, my gosh. Um, they were difficult at times, especially as a college student. <laughs> Uh, it was really hard to uh, go to bed between, you know, if you were really good, you probably should go to bed about quarter to eight to nine thirty, and um, with homework and procrastination and friends and social life, it was sometimes difficult to uh, get to bed at that time. But um, no, it, it was it wasn't too bad. I would have. Uh, I would also ride my bike to practice, so it, it made for an extra early start to get there on time. I'll bring but up, it was good. Chilly mornings. <laughs> I'll bring up two more points on Rowan before we obviously switch back to Aussie rules. Um, we talk about a lot of sports for women where it stops once you finish college. Um, for mm. you, what was that rowing environment like? Was it when, once uh, college had finished, that was it, rowing was done? There wasn't a rowing community per se in Sacramento post-college? Or were you just looking for a different challenge because obviously your career is taking over post-college? Yeah. Um, you know, for, for rowing, there is a little bit, there is a community out there where, you know, you could go into the masters rowing and you can race and, you know, I could always try to qualify for the Olympics, but you know, that, that was uh, a little out of my league, um, just because I had only started rowing, you know, four years or three years prior to my senior season. So, um, they're really, if I wanted to and applied myself, you know, I probably could have, but, um, but there, yeah, there really isn't a structured, you know, this is the next step after college, anything like that, um, in rowing or, you know, in any woman's sport. 
in the United States. So um, I, the reason why I kind of just transitioned off was I just want to uh, accomplish a new sport. I want to be competitive and try and, you know, make some sort of higher level team. And when I was rowing, it was always in my, uh, it was always in my mind that I wanted to play rugby. Um, I didn't play rugby in college because uh, I was on scholarship for rowing and I didn't want to hurt myself and, you know, mess up my, my scholarship. So I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I can try um, rugby and, you know, it's a growing sport in the United States. I think this is what I'm going to do. I can try and see how far I can push myself with rugby. And, uh, <laughs> and then that just kind of transitioned into, um, Oh, and then after rowing, I was, also trying to compete in open water swimming because I just, I just didn't want to stop competing. So I was training for that training for open water swimming, prepping for a rugby season. And then, uh, I had gone out with one of my girlfriends and I had met who is now my fiance. Uh, we went on our first date together. Um, actually it was our second date. We went and watched his sister play Larry Quoka um, in Davis. And he, he was just talking about, Oh, you know, just watch the sport. We can drink and watch and it'll be fine. And I'm like, all right, I like watching sports and drinking. That's fine. And, uh, yeah. And then it just kind of turned into uh, Hey, you should probably uh, come practice with us and train. And I was like, mm, I just did four years of no contact. Like I didn't even see my own teammates face. I don't know if I want to get hit. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it just added a whole another element of difficulty and challenge. Um, and that's kind of what I was looking for. And, um, yeah, it was just completely different. And then I ended up playing Australian rules football before I even played rugby. We'll circle back in one moment to the Sacramento Suns, but I do pick up on one final point on rowing. Because you were actually coming to Melbourne, uh, Melbourne's actually quite famous for rowing, particularly along the Yarra River on a very cool morning. There wasn't any uh, any attempts while you were out here to uh, recruit you into one of the rowing clubs here. (laughs) No. No, but I was thinking about uh, seeing if I can hop in on a a pair or a double with someone and on the weekends, that would be that would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> so let's roll back to the Sacramento Suns. As you said, uh, you were going along with your now uh, fiance uh, Robert Quoker, who, mm-hmm. by the way, has an awesome um, Instagram uh, uh, handle, which is Quoker Cola. I thought that's very clever. <laughs> um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 what's your first impressions? There you are. You're on not only a second date, but you, you're there having a few drinks, watching this sport. Up until that point, you've never seen before. Yeah. Yep. And, um, they were, it's, (laughs) it was really kind of confusing because like, um, you know, even when you're watching American football, you can at least see a majority of the field, but we were on one corner of the field closer to, you know, the goalposts, but they were on the other side. And I was like, can you even see what's going on here? Are they playing? Is it a timeout? What's going on? Like, I was like, why is this field so huge? <laughs> so it was just kind of uh, sitting and watching and watching the ball kind of bounce around back and forth. People got tackled and then a whistle blew and, you know, people seemed to know what exactly what happened next. And uh, it was, it just seemed like um, a game that has a lot of rules. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, but it, it it was interesting. I I uh, was just it, it yeah. I guess that's kind of what I was thinking. It was like oh all right well I guess I'll try and learn the rules and try and play. And that's when, obviously, you joined up with the Sacramento Suns. You mentioned Leray Quaker, who obviously was Robert Quaker's uh, sister, one of the stars, and also had represented the USA. I think also you had another Hornet alumni join you there at the Sacramento Suns in Elizabeth Danielson. Yes. Yeah, and actually also uh, Carly Hartman. Um, she rode with us too. She's um, one of the founders of the Centennial Tigers in uh, Colorado now. Um, but, uh, yep, I, I brought in, 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 as well as my, uh, maid of honor, Jessica Smith, all four of us joined in 2015 and we joined after Western regionals. Um, I think Liz Danielson joined two weeks before nationals and, uh, all four of us mobbed over to, uh, like Austin, Texas and almost beat, um, the Bulldogs, which was, you know, thinking back on it, uh, was one of the hardest games I've, I've like, just as a newbie playing, um, because I don't think I'd ever been hit that hard. Um, and then also thinking back on the Suns and our, and, you know, who we are as a community and then almost beating the Denver Bulldogs who were, what, a five-time national champion. Um, Six times. Six time, yeah, it was. Uh, it was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome! Like we were having so much fun, you know, beating each other up and <laughs> just trying, not really knowing what we're doing. But um, yeah, we had a, a whole bunch of rowers come through and and stick around. Yeah, that was fun. It was a bit of a, a, a glory patch there for the Sacramento Suns, even though you weren't racking up the wins at Nationals. Um, for a few years there, you were a Division One side and had uh, the numbers to, to be able to enter that level of competition. Um, at the moment, there's been a temporary drop back to Division Two, while the number is a little bit short from yeah. the full squad. But um, talk about that growth period with the Sacramento Suns. And I guess it's probably aided by that you actually had a close-by local rival in the San Francisco Iron maidens mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um i love the maidens <laughs> i love that team um i but yeah so we we grew um we got it was kind of our growth and our you know drop off kind of came on a timing on timing so we had about a solid eight women who were with the Sacramento Suns, you know, from the get-go and then come in another, you know, wave of college athletes joining this team. It was like this force that kind of just progressed forward. But those eight, you know, women who started, it was getting close, you know, clubs, you know, people retire and people start to find other things and they had already been playing for you know, five to eight years and they were ready to move on. So we, we kind of dropped off on that. And, um, then we had to readjust our recruitment, um, from just, you know, hanging out with people at the bars to trying to direct our recruiting to college women or junior college women, or just anyone, um, that is athletic and wanted to, uh, push, themselves to the next level. And one of our key points with 
footy that we use to recruit is that, you know, unlike other sports, you have an opportunity to excel at a higher level post-college. So, um, yeah, right now we're, we're revamping things. Um, COVID totally, you know, just like for everyone, put a, a stoppage and a damper on those things. But, um, you know, with, with the more important and strong women that we recruit, the better our USA Freedom Team is. And um, that's another point that is just kind of like really important for us to um, spread the word of Australian rules football in the United States. Because I feel like, you know, it's just a, an open market that just needs to be tapped into and see it explode. I know, obviously, it's the men games being shown on TV at the moment, but um, how much is it a, a little boon that you actually are getting those AFL men's matches shown at the moment on FSN1, which is a, a basic cable channel, so it's available in a lot of homes in the US, and obviously the recent announcement that at least one game a week will be on ESPN2 and another game on ESPN3. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it, <laughs> it's super exciting, and it's also really funny to hear... Um, people from the United States who are used to American football and trying to see them let go of like American football rules and not calling it rugby. And you could just see the <laughs> the confusion in their head and they're just like, wait, so what now? What size is the ball? <laughs> you can't kick it or you can kick it. <laughs> it's, it's really fun to hear them kind of figure it out and, um, you know, the, the big, like, spectacular tackles and all of that. I mean, it, you, it's fun to see them um, respond to that. And, you know, I've been playing now for five years, and I, you know, you, re- you reach out to whoever you can to try and play. But then now that they started playing on TV, now people are coming to, you know, our club and, and to me saying, like, oh, my gosh, this is the sport you've been playing. I thought it was rugby this whole time. And now I know exactly what it is. And <laughs> so it's, it's going to be, I think that this is, this is a great move. And, and I'm really excited to see the, um, the level of Australian football and both women and men um, excel and, and increase. It's going to be, it's going to be a really good next three years. I, I believe. Can you talk us through the time you were first approached to try out for and eventually represent the United States in Australian rules football? Yeah, so um, after joining in 2015, um, we, oh, we had, I was uh, playing with Katie Klatt, and um, Katie Klatt was on our team, and she was talking about um, trying out, or I guess she had already gone or she she must have been in transition because I don't know if she was there for 14 I see 14 but um yeah so she she was going out there and trying out and I you know went up up there with her and and then she went to uh she actually went to Australia um during during that yeah because she was she was in Australia playing while we were um during the 2017 IC. Um, but yeah, so she, she kind of offered that to me and um, a bunch of us went out and it was a little weird training because I just, you know, don't, don't know what to train for except for just running and then probably just run some more and maybe do a little extra running <laughs> to prepare for, for this, for football. And, 
um, my first, I, I got onto the team, I got onto the freedom team and, um, I would think I would probably describe, you know, my first, that that was totally a rookie beginner year. I mean, everything since, since I've joined has been refined and tuned up and, um, I le- I've learned so much on <laughs> how to train for football now. Um, but yeah, it was, it, that's how I got into, um, USA, uh, freedom, um, was through Kate Cod and, um, tried out and it was, uh, we went to, um, where did we go? We went to racing, racing, Wisconsin. That's where tryouts were. And it was really windy in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> And they were testing out to see if they can have nationals there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good spot. It is, it is beautiful. It just, it was very windy and I'd never been to Wisconsin before. So yeah, but he's brought me to a lot of different places in the United States. I never thought I would go. And just to give everyone in Australia a bit of an idea, racing Wisconsin's uh, weather is a bit like Ballarat in Victoria, freezing cold. <laughs> so uh, make sure you are rugged up. So 2017, you're representing the USA Freedom and talk about having to, I guess, make that decision to come down to Melbourne to spend three weeks of your life down here and everything you had to rearrange to make it possible, because I remember speaking mm. to um, uh, Catherine Hogg, who, who told me about a few of the players on the Liberty side. Some had to either leave their jobs. Actually, some got fired from their jobs just yeah. to, be able to have the, the time off to come down and, and play three weeks in Melbourne. Yep. I was one of those, pers- one of those people who left their job because um, we only get, you know, in the United States, I think, 10 days of paid vacation if you're lucky <laughs> if you have a full-time job and if they're nice you know um and you have to use those for non you know you know you just use them throughout the year i don't really get like, three weeks off and uh my company i just was ready to kind of move on and i was 22 or 23 at the time and you know, I didn't really have very much to lose. <laughs> so I just said I saved up enough to, you know, be un- unemployed for four months. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's what I did. I quit my job, played, see, checked out, you know, the footy scene while we were playing the International Cup. And it just going to the International Cup and playing there, one, it was just so much fun, like, with the diversity of people and, um, the different perspectives of the game and, um, you know, what what countries really pay more attention to, like as far as field play goes. It was really interesting and fun to play against other women. And it also, you know, opens your mind that, like, the competition in the United States is, is just one level. I mean, you go and you watch, even when, they, when Liberty was playing against, other clubs like that's just a whole another level and commitment of football in Australia and then you know then we watch an AFL game like seemed like there was way more people at these AFL games than you know a, a 49er game and um it was just really cool to experience the culture in like the motherland of <laughs> Australian <old> football <laughs> it's it was really fun yeah so ever since I was once I went there I was like oh like I'm taking this to the to the next level, in the United States. I'm going to take this even further, and I want to see how far I can I can get there. And you know, and then a lot of that came to 
I had to make a lot of other commitments and choices in my life to help me get there. So it wasn't just, I need to get better at kicking and, you know, uh, marking and all of that. I needed to fix my diet. I needed to, you know, become a better sprinter and jumper. And, um, it wasn't, I couldn't rely on my, uh, you know, athleticism, um, and rowing in that sense where I, I had a good base and solid foundation, but, um, footy takes a whole, you know, different type of commitment to fitness. And, um, I was so excited to see that, that there was just so much more opportunity for me and for women's football in Australia. So yeah, it was, it was so cool going to the international cup in 2017. Yeah. And so that was kind of the start of my, uh, of my, uh, journey to where I am right now. And, um, unfortunately in 2017, when I came back, that was when I did my first year of rugby and, uh, I, I tore my ACL in a championship game. We still won, but it was, uh, yeah, April 21st. I'll never forget. <laughs> Before that incident happened where you did your ACL, as, as we reflect on that 2017 year, including, should I say that the USAFL nationals were played in the town you were born, who were played in San Diego. Um, yeah. What lessons did you take out of IC17? For one, um, obviously the team was gutted with injuries through the tournament. It just seemed like everyone from the USA was dropping like flies. In fact, some of the Freedom players were doubling up playing for the Liberty Tour as they went along. Um, but, yeah. But, but secondly as well, I guess um, the changing competition, not only did the Great Britain Swans come along and beat you in the third versus fourth playoff, but they were a bit better structured. Canada was a bit better structured. Ireland very mm-hmm. disciplined and very quick with the football. What does that say about USA football after that when you look at that going, okay, we need to do X, Y, Z if we're going to be competitive, if we're going to be a chance of making the final? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that had to do, um, like, I definitely just feel the awareness and um, really being together as a team. Um, I felt like we were we were pretty close, but I felt like our transitions um, from the field down, you know, to offense to defense and all of that, it was it was pretty blocky, and um, we just kind of needed to be a little bit more united to move the ball up the field, and um, and probably you know. Australian football is watching it in the United States is not common at all. And we have to pay, you know, a a good amount of money to even have access to watching it aside from watching, you know, YouTube games and all of that. So, um, yeah, I would say for sure, like field awareness and structure, um, that was something that I felt like, you know, we definitely are learning and are learning from, um, as you know, captain right now, that's something that we're really focusing on. We watch a lot of footage and we discuss it a lot. And, um, you know, we have different things that we focus on and on each game and, um, yeah, for sure, you know, field awareness and, and then also preparing for, you know, bigger hits and, and preparing for, um, kind of that, that quick movement, on the field because it's definitely, I mean, USA football is a little bit slower than, um, 
how it is at the International Cup. <laughs> so it's, it's much quicker. And then even from the International Cup, playing in Darwin, it's much faster than that. And <laughs> yeah, so definitely um, our structure, um, we're working on that and, and, you know, being tough. Don't go anywhere. We've got more of our chat with USA Freedom Captain Rosemary Clough coming up right after this. Been playing for a while Sweet kicks Cos footy makes you smile Sweet kicks football If you're getting ready for the trials Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football in Melbourne on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival, you're listening to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. Our featured guest that we're chatting with this week is Rosemary Clough, Sacramento Suns footballer in the United States Australian Football League and played this summer with the Nightcliff Tigers in the NTFL. Currently, she's back home in Sacramento and she's looking forward to 2021 where she'll captain the USA Freedom at the AFL International Cup. So obviously that 2017 year has given you an adrenaline rush. As we said, you represented the United States. You then played in the USAFL Nationals in San Diego. You then dived headfirst into playing rugby. And then, as you said, in the championship, there went your ACL. What's going through your head of this has happened, then the scans are coming back, and now you're 12 months off of sport? Yeah. Um, That was a... Very difficult day for me. Um, I never was injured before. I've never been in, never broke a bone, never done anything. I just, it was, it, I've never not been able to play. And um, I, that was a moment in my life where I had to decide you know, what was important to me. And, you know, I could have picked up a different hobby that didn't involve sports and really taken that off and done something else or just, you know, decided I was done with sport or I could be the comeback, comeback kid, come back stronger and, uh, and just kind of be relentless. And, and that was the choice I, I made for myself because it was almost a competition with myself and I'm addicted to competition and, that was kind of it. That was the deciding factor. I sulked about it for, I think, uh, two, like pretty much until my surgery. And then, um, once I had my surgery, I found a, um, a sports, um, recovery called result, result physical training. And they were specific in ACL return to sport, um, rehab. Um, even though most of the sports was more like soccer and baseball and football, um, they 
they researched and learned and, you know, figured out how to get me back to AFL. And um, I was really, really, really lucky for that. And at the time I was also working for Mark Bell, who is, um, he's a, you know, power lifter. And I was, I kind of worked in the fitness industry. So I had a lot of weights and, um, you know, other resources at my fingertips to help me get back. So it was kind of like do or die. And I decided to do and, um, and it's definitely true. I mean, I came, I, you know, came back a much better player, not just in skill and in fitness, but also um, mentally, I just was better, um, you know, happier, more, had more leadership on the field. I mean, everything changed since, I tore my ACL and I am in a way grateful for it. Yeah. I'm grateful. It turned out to be a learning experience for you. Um, what did it mean to not only be uh, selected to um, be in the USA freedom for what was going to be the 2020 version of the international cup to be played in Queensland, mm-hmm. but to say, you're going to be in the leadership group. You're going to be leading this USA freedom team when you come down to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was so honored (laughs) and just so excited because I, um, am so passionate about, um, you know, Australian football and I love all the women that we play with. And the, you know, I love USA women's Australian football. And, um, I think that, you know, being on the freedom team and knowing that the international cup was coming up, knowing that I, you know, was 12, you know, I was, I started my first game back was in my 11th month. So I had 11 months of, you know, no, no competition with football. And, um, but seeing all the women train and play against each other and, you know, seeing how groups are being formed and people are getting better and we're, you know, women's football is growing. Um, it was just kind of like, oh, no, no, no. I like, I have to keep pushing. I have to keep pushing. And um, my my commitment in return, I think, inspired a lot of other women to push. And, you know, we get injured. We're older. You know, most women in who play football in the United States are usually out of college um, typically I would say some women start at 22, some women start at 30, some women start at 40, you know, we're a kind of an older, um, group in comparison to, um, Australians and, um, yeah. So I, I think I just, you know, the recovery from injury and the commitment to the sport and, you know, the excitement for the growth of women's football, I think all of those things really come, came together and, um, you know, I was, I was asked to lead and I, and yeah, I'm, I'm so excited and happy to be, um, the leader of the, of the women's freedom team. One might cheekily ask, which was the tougher comeback yourself from the ACL or Drake Asias popping out a kid and Hey, six weeks later, I'm back playing football. Uh, right. Uh, I think that having a child is way way, way, way more difficult than recovering from an ACL for sure. I mean, I, that's who I call my hero are women who have children and come back and play sport. I mean, 
I look forward to that if, you know, if that day comes for me, but man, yeah, I am that she's a wonder woman. And I, 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 I applaud her for that. Yeah. She's incredible. How about the decision to come down to Australia to try your hand playing state league football? First of all, with the Nightcliff Tigers in the NTFL, and then we'll talk about uh, coming down to Victoria. When did the seed get planted for that? And uh, what ducks did you have to line up to make the journey possible? Yeah, so I um, I was talking to you know Katie Klatz in our my little friends group circle, and um, so is um, Jess Fletcher and. So I, she was over there playing and Amelia kind of went over there and played a little bit. And, you know, April was over there. Val made a move down there. And, you know, I was just kind of thinking and looking around me and thinking, well, here I am in another position where I don't have anything to lose. (laughs) Um, Why not just see what I can get into? And so I had, um, a tough conversation with Katie and she basically said, you either in or you're out, you know, you have to make that commitment. And if you choose to play in Australia, like you you need to be fully committed. And so I pondered on that for about a day (laughs) and uh, responded, reached out to the USAFL exchange and, um, you know, try to get through and play some football um, and be connected through them. Um, but I had a lot of help through Jess Fletcher, who connected me to the Nightclub Tigers in Darwin and connected me with Penny. And from there, I networked, you know, a lot. And um, USAFL kind of posting about me testing the waters in Australia, I had some other coaches kind of reach out to me and. Um, so my, what I had to do to prepare that, um, I, I had to leave my job. Um, I left it in November and I was leaving in January of 2020. So November, 2019 was my last day. And, um, I was lucky enough to have, um, a paid internship. So I, I do revenue optimization online. And so, um, I had a little bit of income going into Australia, um, you know, to, to work. I still had to find a job while I was down there, but, um, I didn't lose out completely on like a career path when, if I chose to come back, um, and I sold my car. I, um, didn't put my name on a lease and, um, had to say goodbye to when we decided I was, Robert was just, he's my boyfriend and he proposed to me two weeks before I left to Australia. And, uh, that it was, it was just, just so much happiness, you know, and, and excitement going into and moving to Australia, um, just had so much support here in the United States that it was like, all right, we're going to do this now. Let's go. (laughs) And I felt so lucky to be a part of the Nightcliff Tigers, man, those girls are so much fun and, that whole club just welcomed me with big open arms. I, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget my first game going there. And they just, I was like, all right, I'm going to play defense. And they're just like, cool, just don't pass out because it's super hot outside. <laughs> like, all right, sounds good. 
Um, and they, yeah, I was just a part of it and I was so happy to be there and yeah. We'll pick up on the Nightcliff experience in a moment, but as you said, trying to formulate mm-hmm. that decision to go down there, because as we said, some had gone before you. You mentioned Katie Clatt, uh, formerly of the Sacramento Suns, now at the moment living in yeah. uh, Boston. Um, she'd spent mm-hmm. two and a half years down there, uh, managed to play state league level with Melbourne University, but just fell short of making AFLW. Then another one went down the path, Jess Blecker, Portland's goat. Um, she was down there playing mm-hmm. um, with Nightcliff and then Collingwood in the VFLW. W just fell short of making AFLW. Even Katrina Shearer was down there for a short period of time oh, yeah. at University yeah, it. in Queensland. So all of these women had, had gone, had tried, had made what we call minor league level just underneath the AFLW and fallen short, which would be enough to burst someone's bubble. But then at the same time, Danny Marshall goes down there. She yeah. tries out. She breaks through. She gets <laughs> AFLW contracted. What does that mean for your morale, seeing that the first one has gone through, the first one's broken the glass ceiling, not only she got the contract, she's actually playing? Yeah. I mean, just that the sky's, you know, there's there's no limit. And uh, it just just really proves that um, there is opportunity for women to play and excel and, you know, playing a sport after college. And, uh, yeah, Danny Marshall is such a great example of that. You know, someone who sees a sport and says, oh, you know, I'll, I'll pick it up. I'm going to try it. Um, and, you know, and, and full on commits to it. I mean, seriously, D- Danny is so, she just puts her whole heart into things and, and yeah, so just that there's just so much excitement, especially on the, you know, on the freedom team. Um, just, yeah, really excited about, about Danny and, and her journey. And um, I think that it motivates a lot of women because it, it kind of in a way shows that, you know, you can bring more to the table and um, there's just so much, so much opportunity for women and you can take it slow or you can take it, just a hundred percent, just like, um, you know, Danny Marshall and all the other women who, um, went to Australia to, to try and try and get to whatever level they wanted to. So, yeah. he, so here you are, you're in Darwin. If I am correct, you were like less than a day or just over a day from jumping off the plane to running out and <laughs> running onto the field with the Tigers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, uh, I had landed at like 2 p.m. or it was either 2 or 5. I don't really remember. But um, on Friday or no, Saturday, and we had a game on Sunday at 2. And, <laughs> yeah, I just kind of – they threw me some game shorts, and I had I was already signed up um, to play at the nightclub um, beforehand. So all the paperwork was set. And, um, yeah, I just, I will never forget just walking into the locker room because, you know, you guys have that over there is like actual football club rooms and, and all of that. Um, it was very similar to a college experience in that, in that sense, just like the amenities that are available for football. Um, 
But yeah, walking in, I'm already drenched in sweat because it's so, so hot. Um, luckily, I did catch on to that just, and I drank, I was drinking water for making sure I was on my water count two weeks before. So I was pretty good on my water. Um, and everyone was just like, hey, how's it going? Like, it was just totally non, just so welcoming. And uh, Emma Wolsey, um, she is a killer and she's, she, she was awesome, but she, I mean, she was the one she just like punched me in the arm and was like, all right, you going to get it out there? And I was like, yep, let's go. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just kind of similar in the United States. People were just like really excited to have you. It's awesome that you're from the United States and you even know about our sport and we can't wait to teach you and learn from you and, and all of that. Yeah. I also had to get used to, um, the accents. Because I think that that was difficult <laughs> transitioning over there. Because, um, yeah, there's you know I'm just used to the American accent, and on the field they would just start talking, but it was just sounded like noise to me, and I was just like, oh man, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> What's it yeah. like running out in that game? Obviously, you know you're still trying to learn everyone's name and get used to who the heck's who with at any idea of, okay, where am I in the structure? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to run? Because we need to remind people that in the US, it's very rare that you will play on an oval-shaped field playing full 16 mm. or 18 aside. You're commonly playing nine-a-side football on a soccer or rugby pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um Yep. I, well, luckily I, I was, uh, I trained well enough to, you know, maintain and, and hold and, um, you know, be competitive in the fitness realm of things. Um, because I knew that, you know, playing over there in the IC, we played on, you know, relatively large fields in comparison to United States. Um, yeah, but it was, it, uh, it was slightly intimidating because I had no idea where my skill level was in comparison to, um, you know, like Australian, you know, women's premier league football. And it was just like kind of testing the waters. And, um, you know, I was told that, you know, um, Northern territory football is super quick pace. And I know that United States football is, we're pretty, we're on the slower end of things. And, um, I was just prepared to feel like it was my first day playing football in, you know, and not like playing against kind of like playing against the Denver Bulldogs and just catching the ball and immediately getting tackled. <laughs> I was like, kind of just assuming that it would be something, I don't know, but, uh, luckily I, uh, I was pretty competitive with them and, um, you know, they just said, you know, play, play your defense, you know what you need to do. And, um, they, they watched some of my footage too. So it, it was all good. And, um, Hannah, Hannah Turnbull, she's the, the defensive captain for the Nightclub Tigers. She, she was a perfect example of how important it is to use your voice on the field. And even though that first game, it, you know, I couldn't, it wasn't that I couldn't hear them. I just couldn't, I could hear them, but just, I did, wasn't comprehending as quickly. And, um, you know, as we started playing with each other, it was just 
we communicated so well and ended up, you know, really running the back line together um, towards the end of the season. So she, and I, I learned so much from Hannah and, and all of that. So it, it, it was, it was a little intimidating at first, but then, you know, when you have teammates around you and supporting you and basically have this expectation of you to be better, um, there's some sort of comfort in that and just being like, yeah, actually I got this. There's, let's go. <laughs> I was going to say, everyone is their own best critic. So how did you think you fared um, fitting into the squad with your skill level, et cetera, compared alongside to, in your team, you've got a couple of players that have played um, for the NT Thunder at under 18 and at senior level. And you also had the VFLW Bulldogs captain and Michaelia Ward also playing in that side. Yeah, Man, it was so much fun playing with her on the field. I mean, she just dives. She just dives for the ball, like, and the ball goes into her hands. Like, she, she is awesome. Um, and that was kind of uh, one of the things that I actually really worked on. Um, you know, watching her play and seeing how she does that. Um, it, my, I had to accelerate my learning. Um, and my, and my, you know, coach to be coached, I had to really open that up and, um, excel to reach that level of, of Michaela Ward. I mean, man, she was, she's, I mean, she is, she's going to be playing again. I hope, I think she is, I haven't touched base with her, but I'm sure she is, um, you know, watching her play. And then we had, um, Eliza Morrison, um, she's just a little, you know, roadrunner, and she ended up making the uh, Bulldogs VFLW. And, um, yeah, so I felt like, um, you know, when my first day compared to, you know, my last game, um, first the first week versus the sixth week, I felt like I had my skill level increased. I, I, I don't even know what, by 100%, 300%. Um, and that's just because I'm kicking with women who, you know, kick it straight to my chest every time. And we weren't, you know, teaching the sport. There's just already, everyone already kind of knew about it. And then, so that already increased the level, you know, by a whole hundred percent from the United States. And then, and then you've got, you know, the natural skill, um, or just like knowing being around a football and then, uh, and then, you know, the, the field play. So like we played, we did a lot of game sim. I practiced, you know, two, two to three times a week. And then, um, and then we had games. So I was practicing football way more than I usually would. And with the numbers, I mean, we had like, I don't know, I think at one point, probably 30 people at practice once, which would be an absolute miracle if that happened. I mean, typically in the United States, for some clubs, not all, um, but for for the women, because we're a growing, we're a growing, you know, group. Um, we'll have maybe six people at, at a practice, and so you you know you're trying to run game simulated practices, and uh, you know you can only go so far with that. But then if you go to practice and you can do a full, you know, side, and then have subs, it was just there was just so much practice and just. Yeah, so I think I think that I had improved so much, and um, I felt like I, I was pretty competitive 
pretty competitive with the girls um, in Darwin. And uh, the, the, the thing that I think really clicked in towards the end of the, of my Northern Territory football was um, just field awareness. Um, I think that, that grew the most, and that's just because of how much football we played. How did it feel like being in that group for the first time ever they made finals? Because prior to that, Nightcliff were the strugglers. They were at the back end of the table, um, typically uh, in last position. But they had a fantastic uh, 2019 campaign, um, really taken up. I think it was to the Darwin Buffets, if I'm correct, that they played in that uh, elimination final. But how did it feel for that Mm -hmm. club to finally, on the women's side, have a finals campaign under their belt? Um, I mean, the first thing, the first thing that came to my mind was just the amount of support from the men's team and the club, like the football club in general. I mean, the, our, our coach Shannon and, um, the men's, um, coach, like they worked together. She would go to his games and he would go to ours and, um, you know, they, they would really work together and the, and the men would show up to our games and you would see some of them at our practices and, um, it, and, and this is for, you know, people who haven't, who are from the United States and haven't experienced a football club. I mean, not, not just like the players and, and the game, but like, it's actually a club. <laughs> like they have like the nightclub Tigers had, you know, almost like a restaurant and um, a bar and places to watch, you know, horse races and um, an actual building on the field to go and watch. And people from the community would hang, would be so excited to come on Thursdays to announce the lineup to watch, you know, who's going to play. And that in itself was just, just a whole another world for me. But um you know, as, as we start winning games and you can see that, you know, the women's team is, you know, we're, we're building a name for ourselves and they were just, it was just, it was awesome. It was just, I, I, I wish I could put it into words, but it's just the amount of support um, and cheer and excitement um, from the community and from the men's teams was, was really important and, and really nice. Yeah. Uh, now, this next question is very apt, uh, considering uh, the Black Lives uh, Matter movement at the moment, particularly after mm-hmm. the death of George Floyd, and everyone's trying to focus on uh, equality, particularly for African-Americans. But it's also being focused on a lot in Australia uh, for the Indigenous yeah. population. Being there in Darwin, which has a higher Indigenous population than uh, most of the East Coast states, um, what's it like uh, for the first time as an American, not only obviously coming down to play football and immersing in the Australian culture, but also being in close contact with the Indigenous culture? I learned a lot about that culture, and um, there were a lot of, there was a woman on our team, she, you know, taught in, in that community, in the Aboriginal community, and um, there was a lot of, I don't know how to explain it, if it was um, kind of like something, like, it was just known that there was just a lot of, like, respect um, for the Aboriginal culture in football and, um, at least like in our, in our club, um, it was just, I don't know. I, I liked being called sis. <laughs> I was like, there was just a big family aspect, um, in Darwin with that. And, um, I, I learned, I mean, I 
the Aboriginal culture was not something that I had really learned about or known about. And, um, yeah, you, you could, you, I mean, as an outsider, you could definitely tell that there was a lot of inequality there. Um, I think just like, as far as like social construct goes, I think, um, there was, a, you could tell that there's still some growing needing to happen, um, between the Aboriginal community and, um, you know, you know, the other Australian community, but, um, yeah, it, it, it was good. I, I've, I've, I love being around everyone <laughs> in Darwin. <laughs> Don't touch that dial. We'll continue our chat with Rosemary Glow right after this. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. Across Melbourne on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival, this is the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. We're chatting with Rosemary Close, Sacramento Suns footballer, captain of the USA Freedom, and hoping to play state league footy down here in Australia once COVID-19 subsides. Let's talk about preparing for the uh, move down to Victoria. Of course, we saw on uh, your social media, you did get one game in playing for Westburn Grammar. Um, was it prior to moving down to Australia or was it essentially while you are in Darwin that the contacts began to start shaping what your football pathway will look like uh, with the move down to Melbourne? Yeah, so when I when I think about um when I think about that, um I think I kind of explain myself as like almost like a couch surfer. <laughs> I just kinda of was like, I wanna fly somewhere and I, I um didn't know exactly, you know, who exactly to contact, how things really work as far as, you know, what team I should play for and um I just I didn't know very much about that and um, Tex, Tex Walker saw that I was coming down and had, and he was the coach of the Westbourne and he had just offered, you know, to put me up while I, you know, found a team and found a place to live and I would play and practice with him while I kind of got my, my grounded and, um, you know, I was just, I was just so grateful that there was just someone, you know, I feel like the Australian culture is just, just so hospitable and just kind of relaxed. And so I was just like, I mean, okay, yeah, I would, <laughs> that would be really helpful for me. And, um, yeah, so it just kind of went from, you know, can I play? Like, it was just a lot of just asking if I could play and, um, yeah, and that's, I got connected and then just, just Blecker with her connection with Penny um, from Collingwood, um, I went and played with them and I had a good run and it was, it was a whole, I mean, that was, that was a whole other level of football. Um, I was just beyond, beyond impressed and, um, just really looking forward to the level of, at the level of skill in the VFLW. Um, like I had so many bruises <laughs> and just little dings, just my first practice of just try, doing a run with Williamstown. Um, that was, 
it was a lot of fun. I mean, it went from like, you know, like this is my friend and I'm going to like push her around a little bit to like, um, one, you're new Two, let's see how well you can play. And three, I'm going to like hit you as hard as my opponent in a game. <laughs> and it was just like the whole other focus. I mean, everyone was focused in dialed in. Everyone wanted to go 120% at the, at the practice you know, people, this is what they were here for was to play football. And um, I don't know if the extra hard hits was just because I'm an American, but, you know, I'll take it. I'll take the extra hard hits. That was, it was so awesome being there and playing with these women. Um, yeah. So that's, that's how I got to Williamstown. Um, you know, I think kind of looking back and seeing what I can improve and do, um, better next time or you know I might might have ran with I don't know I might have just probably should have opened up my options a little bit more um so that's, that's what I'm doing this next year is gonna kind of open up my um my network and see I think uh USAFL exchange wants me to play for Abafeldi 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 yeah yeah so I'm gonna that's kind of the next step um, for my community team. And then from there, they'll, you know, USAFL Exchange will also help me get connected with other, you know, VFLW teams and try and highlight, you know, what I can do. So it'll be a little bit different as far as the process goes because, um, you know, now that I'm officially connected with the USAFL Exchange, um, things will be a little bit different. Yeah. Just but yeah, it was. Go ahead. Just on that trial at Williamstown, and understandably it would have gone up a couple of gears because at the same time, as much as they're your quote-unquote teammates, they're also trying to fight for a spot on the list with you because it is competitive to get onto a VFLW list, so therefore would have gone up a couple of notches. But as you said, you, you got limited time to learn under Penny Kula reed What was it like being mm-hmm. under her coaching tutelage? Um, very respected in women's football here, a legend of the game, just making her way into coaching. In fact, the reigning premiership coach in the VFLW. Yeah. It, it, it was, yeah, she's, she is great. Um, very direct, uh, very, um, specific and every drill that we had seemed to have a very, um, strong intent and had a perfect transition into the next drill. So whatever we would work on in one drill, the point of that would be very clear. And the next level of that drill, you're like, Oh, I see why we did that because you know, she wants to see this happen in this drill. And, uh, so not only was, um, were the practices very direct and productive, um, they were also very fun. So I, I don't know if, again, I've, you know, obviously I don't know what, what your average VFLW practice is like, but I mean, we were listening to music <laughs> while we're playing and, um, there was a lot of encouragement of, you know, being a team and, um, she, she just made it very obvious that it's, you know, not skills and fitness and football are really important, but also the community and how we treat each other on the team is just as important. And, um, so there was, a, you know, there was, it was very serious, but then we kind of, uh, she, she made it kind of like lighthearted and we got to kind of like joke around and, and 
in a sense, relax a little bit, but you know, you can't, can't really relax too much or else someone might take your spot. So <laughs> you kind of, we all kind of have this mutual understanding that, you know, we are there to make each other better. And she said that that platform, I mean, it was, I, it was very obvious from, you know, day one, this just practice was just very structured. Um, yeah. Very productive, very efficient. So it was really cool. I really enjoyed Penny. Yeah. I'm, so 2020 was meant to be a big year. You've kicked off in Darwin, done very well up there in Nightcliff. You've come down to Melbourne. You've got a community football club. You're trialling in VFLW. I see 2020 was on the calendar and then COVID-19 <laughs> comes along. Um, at what stage did you go, okay, I need to pack my bags and I need to get back home quickly and now? It was, so that was... Um, March 23rd, um, that's when AFL, um, commissioner, um, made that his announcement that, you know, we were not going to, they're going to stop playing AFL, um, until there was a better grasp on what was going on with the pandemic. And, um, but I will kind of go back a little bit. And we heard a little bit about it in Darwin, you know, it was just kind of a little whisper. Um, we didn't really know very much about it. I go down to Melbourne and, you know, just kind of forgot about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, Italy got hit pretty bad and, you know, you started to hear about all these other countries. And then it was kind of like, all right, well, we're not, I think like, I don't know, you know, I want to, I want to take a risk, you know, I feel like if I took a risk, you know, it would be better. And for me to just stay and kind of push through this, this was my dream. This is what I set out here to do. I just need to stay. And so, you know, another week passes by and now we're regular, like we're limited on what we can do at practice, but we're not too sure how much longer it's going to last for. It might be another, it might be four weeks at the most, you know, and that was kind of the talk. And so I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm, I'm here for football. There's not very many jobs here for, <laughs> uh, you know, a non-Australian um, citizen. And the, where I was staying was temporary. So I had to then find another spot in a house while, you know, everyone was so worried about COVID. I mean, everyone still is, but um, it just kind of progressed to like, oh, well, you know, maybe I should go back. I'm not too sure, you know, talking back and forth with my family. And a lot of them were, you know, half of my family was, you know, suck it up and, you know, do what you need to do. Stay, stay there and, you know, just figure it out. And, um, which was a big part of how I felt as well. And then I had another half say, you know, it's not worth it we don't know anything about this COVID and we don't know anything. We don't know anything. And it's just probably better if you're home. So my, my birthday was March 22nd, um, celebrated with my family over Skype, um, or zoom. And then, um, yeah, the next day that's when they announced it. And I just knew that, that like if AFL was going to stop, then by like, absolutely. I should probably go home <laughs> because is that that's a pretty big deal, especially in Victoria. So, um, I booked my ticket for the 24th and I 
yeah, I booked my ticket for the 24th and I, I was home by the 24th. Of yeah. course, true. The time zone changed. You were home the same yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so there you are back in um, Sacramento, which, of course, California went to a state of lockdown. I see 2020 got cancelled. It was off the radar. We don't even know if there's going to be a VFLW season here in Melbourne. Things are, are so up in the air. Yeah. The only thing, if you look on a football calendar applicable to you that's possibly still out there is the USAFL Nationals, which at this present moment is still going ahead in Ontario, California yeah. in October. Can you give us an insight to where you're at in terms of restrictions there in California, particularly in Sacramento and the capital, uh, mm. but also, yeah. um, I guess, the return to play a stage for the Sacramento Suns? Yeah, so um, right now we're in phase three. Um, Friday was the first day of phase three. And, um, you know, bars are opened. um, Hair salons are open. um, Those are like kind of the two main ones. Um, It was kind of weird because when phase three happened was also the same time as um, we had a big protest here in Sacramento. So there was just there was a lot going on the last two weeks, um, in, in the, the capital, but, um, yeah. So right now we, we can't have any contact, but we could, but unaffiliated with the sun, you know, like as a, you know, private party, um, we can be around 10 people, but we still need to maintain our distance. Um, and like some restaurants require you to wear a mask and follow, you know, the path <laughs> lines to go to the restroom. You have to wear your mask in the restaurant. I mean, it's, it's still, it's so different than not anywhere near back to normal. Um, and they've also in Sacramento um, canceled all like high school and elementary sports for the rest of the year. So that means like no football, no American football and um, nothing with contact um, that is ended and will not happen until next year, 2021, which is, you know, pretty devastating for, um, you know, students because like if they're anything like me, (laughs) sports is life. (laughs) Um, So that's the, that's the decision right now. Um, It can always change. So um, we, I think, contact sports opens up in phase five. So we'll see when that will be, and if the second wave is going to hit, uh, you know, how much our, our, you know, how much the governor and our mayor and all of our um, politicians and in Sacramento and the state of California listen to the people and and follow, you know, proper CDC rules and stuff like that. So. Um, as far as training goes and, and, the, I'm always optimistic. I am training as if, you know, there's going to be a national and I'm training as if, you know, if, if I could, if there was a season for me in Australia, I am always going to be ready. So as far as for myself, I'm definitely in my top shape. Um, I was lucky enough to have a garage gym here in Sacramento um, but the stuns, you know, people are, we're, you know, doing skills when we can, um, everyone's trained individually. 
And, um, and, and that's the same for everyone on the freedom team as well. Um, I know Colorado has opened up and they, they're able to run some practices. Um, we're really hoping for at least a, a tag footy. Um, I don't know what they, I guess it'd be Osball. Is that what you guys call it? Like kind of like tag you guys play tag footy? Uh, there's, yeah, there is. There's, there's a version called AFL Nines, uh, which is out there, which is it means okay. social football. Everyone's wearing bibs. So that would be, I guess, what they call uh, touch footy in rugby, in, uh, for example. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're hoping for at least that um, because, you know, but we don't know. Yeah, I don't – I'm – I'm very optimistic, but um, in some sense, kind of realistic. And if we're just at phase three, um, you know, who knows? No way. I didn't know I was going to be here even six, eight, what is it? Eight weeks from now or is it 10 weeks now since the pandemic? So things change quickly. Looking further. So we just got to be prepared. Looking yeah. further ahead, um, as we know with the border situation at the moment, at least for Australia, they're hoping in July that international borders will open with New Zealand in a so-called Pacific bubble. There's talk that borders to other countries, depending on where they're at in the COVID-19 situation, may open in September. Uh, what are your hopes going ahead for 2021. We know, of course, the big date that you'll have circled in the calendar is still to be confirmed, but July, August 2021 for the rescheduled uh, AFL International Cup. Uh, what what are your hopes at this stage, as much as things are sketchy, about a timeline of coming back to Australia, whether it's through Darwin or coming direct down to Melbourne? Yeah, so um, ideally I would... I mean, I had so much fun in Darwin. I would have to play for my, you know, my tag owls again. <laughs> um, if I could manage that, I would probably, well, if they had a season, yeah, depending on everything, I would either see if I could play. Well, it all depends on, like, my rookie status and, and how that is and also my visa. Because I was only in Australia for three, almost four months, three months, Um yeah, what what my visa status will be and, and all that. But um, that's a whole other story. Um, we'll just say if everything, you know, were to go according to plan, it would be to move to Melbourne in February, um, train and practice um, with whoever I'm coordinated and connected with through the USAFL exchange. Um, and then, uh, yeah, play, play it all out. Um, I am getting married in May. <laughs> So um, I will come back for two to three weeks, get married, and come right back to Australia, finish my season, and, um, you know, suss out what happens next, we'll, where where my skills improved and whatnot. But um, right now it's just the goal of reaching my highest potential, um, being a part of, you know, um, the best team and uh, helping and, you know, really kind of contribute to a team over in Australia and be an example and um, help motivate and lead the USA uh, freedom team and all of my ladies uh, all across the United States to, uh, you know, train their hardest, take, take football, uh, you know, seriously. And um, I mean, they all do, but it's just, you know, understanding that next level of the international cup um 
you know, just really motivating them and, and just being connected. That's, that's the plan. February play, get married in May, play again, go to the international cup, finish off the FLW season. And, uh, yeah, maybe I'll do it again next year. Who knows in 2022. And one last question, me. one last question before we let you go. What would it mean to you personally if things, say, went super well, if you did well in the VFLW, and someone came up to you and said, we'd like to offer you an AFLW rookie contract? That is the ultimate goal. That is absolutely just my eyes on the prize. And that's kind of what I'm training for right now is, you know, you just train, you train to be the, the, the where you want to be. And, um, my, my schedule right now is, I would say, um, at an elite level and, um, I would be ready as, as soon as, if I will one, work as hard as I could to get that opportunity. But then two, as soon as that opportunity comes my way, I would, um, you know, do whatever I could to immediately get there and, and, and be the best, you know, teammate and, um, team member that I could be. I, I would, that would mean the whole world to me. And it would, it would truly be the dream come true of, you know, that eight year old Rosemary who was playing, you know, softball and had dreams of playing, you know, college sport, whatever. And, uh, you know, if I were to tell, you know, my little eight year old self that I, you made it and you're going to play professional, I think, I mean, even to me right now, like almost brings tears to my eyes. Like that would be, um, that would mean the world to me. So, I'll, and 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 knowing how important that is to me, I I know that uh, I will get myself there. I really hope I do. Well, Rosie, thank you very much for taking a big chunk of time out of your day to chat with us here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. We hope you stay safe up there in Sacramento. Fingers crossed you can get some footy going with the USAFL Nationals. We look forward to your return to Australia in 2021. Thank you so much. I can't wait. Can't wait to see everyone. And that concludes the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival for yet another week. This program airs every Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time, right here in Melbourne on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. Also via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. If you missed most of this podcast because you were listening on the radio and just found us when you tuned in, don't worry, you can hear the full podcast by going to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify the iHeartRadio website and app, or at WARFradio.com by searching for the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. It's that easy. And we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for WARFradio. Until next week, I'm Peter Holden. Thanks so much for your company, and it's bye for now.